0: I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UnityPoint Health St. Luke's Hospital and this is Live Well Talk on COVID-19. Uh, we're going to start this week with an update uh, and then I'm going to go through the 10 things that I've learned uh, from COVID uh, during the pandemic or, or related topics. Uh, and then we'll finish with an episode of The Mailbag. What we're seeing in the hospital in the last couple of weeks is uh, the numbers slowly coming down. I think I've mentioned previously that we were in the 50s, uh, drifting up to the 60s, and we may have even hit 70 at one point. Now we're down to the 30s as far as COVID patients. A couple of things that look really good, the cases in the county have started to come down very slowly, but they are coming down. Uh, So that means the people in the uh, susceptible bucket, infected bucket, recovered bucket, people are leaving the uh, infected bucket faster than people are coming into it, so that's a good thing. One trend that we have seen reverse is it was about a 85 to to 90 percent of the patients were unvaccinated in the in the hospital and in the ICU a little bit higher percentage in the ICU, and and that has uh, changed a little bit to 70 30. Uh, and we've seen that over the last two weeks, that, that gradual change. And so has Unipoint Health, the whole system, because we do get that report. Uh, and that that uh, is di- different, obviously. We observed that. And I, it's one of two things. Uh, it is that the vaccines aren't either wearing off on patients, uh, and then they're susceptible, or the vaccines don't protect you significantly against Omicron. Now, there has been, uh, I don't remember where I read it, But uh, the booster does appear to have some protection as far as decreasing hospitalization. I don't remember the statistics in that study or the size of people or how they calculated that. So that's yet to be seen. Also in the last week, Moderna has received full FDA approval to join Pfizer as an approved, not authorized, but approved uh, vaccine. Lane County remains on high transmission and we were 948 cases uh, this week per 100,000, uh, and we were almost 1,200 last week. So that, that's that's a reasonable drop, and hopefully that'll keep coming down. That's the end of the, end of the COVID-19 update. Uh, now I'd like to go through the 10 things that I've learned uh, during, the hosp- during the pandemic, uh, either in the hospital or in my own life. Uh, the first is authorized is not approved. I didn't Never had noticed the difference. I was familiar with emergency use, uh, but I never noticed that uh, authorized and approved were two different things. And I think we uh, we sometimes use that those terms interchangeably, and they're actually different. And uh, that that was something I, I didn't know. I've also learned that there there's such thing as blueprints and there's scrambles. And during the pandemic, we've had some things that were blueprints where we knew that it was going to happen. We had a previous policy, we executed upon it. And then other things were just a scramble, and some days it seemed like a scramble all day, every day. But um, if you got a good team around you, those scrambles are pretty easy to execute upon, particularly if you have the guiding principles. And 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 we did have uh, four guiding principles: was to uh, protect patients, uh, preserve the healthcare system, uh, reduce spread of the contagion uh, and to protect our staff and so if you have those guiding principles it's it's easy to create a scramble uh, and i think uh, multiple times we i was pretty proud of uh, how we handled situations as they came at yes. us the third thing i learned pangolin i did not know what a pangolin was it is a scaly anteater um, it is the only mammal with scales and i had no idea that a pangolin exists. and now i do the fourth thing i learned Chick-fil-A. People love Chick-fil-A. My, my, you may know, uh, some of the listeners may know, my wife, Tanya, works in the foundation, St. Luke's Foundation. They coordinated food delivery. And so I helped her on several, multiple occasions deliver in the evenings back to the hospital when restaurants, local restaurants, would donate uh, food, uh, and uh, then we would take it to the each unit. And, man, Chick-fil-A really made people happy. So uh, if you're going to eat a chicken sandwich, I highlight recommend Chick-fil-A. The fifth thing that I learned is we didn't have a hierarchy of recommendations. So when we were going through the pandemic, I think we made the mistake of one, one, uh, one category or, or recommendation we were following was the WHO, the World Health Organization. The next was the CDC. The next was the FDA. The next was what the state said. The next is what uh, maybe the American College of Gynecology said. Uh, Obstetrics and gynecology. What they said, and 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 that those disparities were hard to keep track of. And as a medical staff, we would be taking a poll uh, at the end of the pandemic, or in the coming months at least, uh, to say, okay, we are a. I'm just giving an example. We're a WHO medical staff, and then when, if the WHO doesn't have an answer for us, we go to the CDC, and then maybe the the next, and may, then maybe it's the colleges and the universities of particular medical specialties that publish papers, etc. So we have a hierarchy of making those decisions rather than having this just chaos of CDC, state, WHO, that it was really confusing. It was hard for people to follow. The sixth thing I learned, uh, number six, COVID is not influenza. At the beginning of the pandemic, there's a lot of comparison of COVID to uh, influenza and people are making decisions based upon how influenza behaved, the, the flu season, etc. It's going to be a bad flu season. You heard those terms thrown around, and I think learning uh, during that COVID is it's it's a different virus. It's different than uh, influenza, and uh, other than it causes a respiratory illness and it's a virus, there's not a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, influenza certainly is more droplet, uh, where I think it's, in my mind, definitive. COVID at times opportunistically, uh, depending on the right scenario, is actually airborne. And I think that is uh, certainly something I'm taking forward from this. That I'm not going to compare uh, influenza and COVID as I make decisions. The seventh thing I learned, Mother Mother Nature will humble you uh, and will always win. We've tried. To, we try to predict the virus at times, and it just—you're wrong. You're wrong. You say it's going to do this. You think it's going to do this based upon this, and it, it just doesn't. And so I think it, it makes you stay humble, uh, which is always a gift, I guess. But Mother Nature just has a way of just moving forward. And I like to tell the story. So next to the hospital is Cargill, and they uh, corn and soybeans come in there, of course. And I believe this was a corn plant. And so one of those trucks going back on 380 to head north, at some point, a kernel of corn dropped into the crack in the sidewalk or excuse me, in the road and a a stalk of corn grew. And I always would drive by that in the the day and think, man, just the life force, mother nature just goes on and it's relentless and it's going to keep going on. And you need to recognize that and respect that. The eighth thing I learned was air circulation is important. Never really thought about air circulation prior to that. I knew that our surgical rooms cy- cycled the air at a greater frequency per hour than the other rooms. Other than that, I really had no idea. And learned a lot, read a lot about uh, air circulation and how that is thought through and how some of the... Um, in third world countries or the tropics, how they built uh, hospitals uh, was so they had good air circulation uh, and air movement. Stagnant air is, uh, is, is concerning, because that may uh, uh, allow the virus to be suspended longer and then subsequently increase the transmission. The ninth thing I learned is have early interventions. You know, early on we wait until people were low on oxygen before we put them in the hospital and we didn't have early therapeutics at our disposal, and I've learned that that's something that's very important, and even if we have to do it locally to put together a protocol, but we should have, do a better job putting together a protocol earlier. Uh, The guidelines for treatment weren't published until October 2020, and so that was well into the pandemic, Uh, and fortunately, they are published prior to that peak that we had in November into December of 2020, Uh, but it felt like they came late and felt like, as you know, with the power of our academic medical institutions and our private hospitals and medical institutions, we should have had a, a protocol for treatment earlier than what we did. And the 10th thing that I learned, and unfortunately observed to be uh, true, is routine health care is important. When we had the lockdowns, we suspended routine health care, and uh, that contact with your clinician that takes care of you and the specialists that take care of you, it, it, it is important. And when you suspend it like that, it causes a tsunami effect that comes later as diabetes and cancer and heart disease, those all continue to progress. And it just lands in your lap someday. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I've been so busy. Um, and so routine healthcare is important. Uh, and if I wouldn't make that mistake, again, I, I would keep Keep things open and keep moving along um, with uh, routine healthcare and maintenance, healthcare, particularly diagnostics to screen for cancer and heart disease. That was the to- that was the ten things I've learned. I've learned other things, but those are the ten that I, I felt the most uh, uh, perhaps unique, but uh, but certainly uh, worthy of learning and and knowing about them going forward. You notice I didn't make any reference to healthcare workers are are, are really superheroes uh and because i didn't learn that i already knew that um uh, they the, the pandemic just revealed to me or confirmed to me what i've always known that nurses respiratory therapists physicians techs um laboratory personnel radiology personnel uh they're dedicated and they go above and beyond every day uh, regardless of the circumstances to get the job done and i'm i'm very thankful i work with a tremendous tremendously uh, good team, and we'll be ready for the next pandemic, but we'll also finish out this pandemic strong. That's the end of the COVID update and my top 10 things that I've learned. Uh, Stick around and we'll be right back with an episode of The Mailbag. Welcome to The Mailbag. This is an opportunity for me to respond to listeners' questions that are submitted um, and uh, they are on COVID trending topics. Uh, this week, all three of them are related to COVID, and they're they're actually excellent questions. Uh, the first question is from Sarah: How many more previously healthy people have had blood clots, strokes, heart attacks after taking the COVID shots and boosters? What's that compared to maybe two years ago? Well, we do know for myocarditis that observational studies, passively meaning we're just looking at charts, we're looking at results, uh, we're not we don't have a control group, it's observational, shows that there is an increase in cases of myocarditis. We will not have the stroke uh, data, uh, probably for another year or two, because that doesn't come out just like every year. They might give a raw number every year, but I don't think you can make a comparison. Uh, certainly prior to uh, the um, pandemic, 2015 was the, I remember reading that we were trending down in strokes, so we were doing a better job of taking care of them, and the deaths from strokes were 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 declining. Uh, but myocarditis, there's more myocarditis uh, because uh, it, attributed to that vaccine, perhaps uh, that's what it's felt to be, and it's seen in uh, younger uh, men, uh, late teens, early twenties. It was. It is interesting, though, the course of those myocarditises. Usually, viral myocarditis is kind of an indolent, slowly progressive. The patient gets worse and presents, and you make the diagnosis. The ones associated with the vaccine spike a couple days after they got the vaccine and, and tends to, uh, fortunately, get to get better quickly. Uh, and so, uh, over time, we will see how it influenced uh, strokes and heart attacks, I'm sure, uh, of course. Uh, but then there'll always be that question was that related to the vaccines, or was that because we suspended? maintenance health care there for a while. So uh, great question. And we'll continue to monitor that. The next question is from Sharon. If an immunocompromised, meaning the person doesn't have an immune system that functions as it should, uh, over 70, has a mild breakthrough case and receives monoclonal antibodies five months after having received the third Pfizer dose, when would they be considered for a fourth dose? Uh, If they're immunocompromised, that fourth dose uh, it may be beneficial. I've, I've actually read that in a couple just the, the, from the AMA and some of the, the morning emails that come in with uh, news articles, uh, but it would be 90 days. So from the monoclonal antibody, you'd want to wait 90 days before you gave the booster uh, because, the, because you, you're receiving the booster. And so um, that would be the recommendation uh, to wait 90 days. Our last question is from Kelly. As the rate of hospitalizations are going up, is there a breakdown for vaccinated and those with and without a booster? Yes, there is, then following them. So, as I said in the uh, update, uh, that 70% of the hospitalizations are unvaccinated, 30% vaccinated. Of that 30%, there does appear to be some efficacy or some additional protection with a booster keeping the patients out of the intensive care unit. So if you have the booster, you have a reduced possibility of going to the intensive care unit as opposed to the medical surgical floor. Some of the patients that I've seen in the hospital and taken care of personally that they've received the booster, they, didn't, they had a lot of chronic medical conditions to begin with and whether or not that uh, co- that uh, contributed uh, to uh, them being hospitalized with, uh, with the COVID-19 breakthrough case I think that's that's uh, the jury's out on that how that worked, uh, but definitely uh, the booster does provide some protection and maybe even for to a certain degree of Omicron, the, at least Pfizer has looked at that, and it may prevent uh, patients from being in the intensive care unit. Great questions, and that's all for the mailbag. If you'd like to submit a question to the mailbag, uh, go to unipoint.org/mailbag. I'll answer questions about COVID-19, latest technologies, follow-up on a previous podcast, follow-up on an update. Uh, always happy to answer questions about services that we're providing here at St. Luke's that I'm quite proud of. Any questions about personal symptoms or conditions need to be taken to your family clinician. Uh, if it's an emergency, go to the emergency room or dial 911 if no emergency room is, is nearby. Once again, you can submit your questions to me at unapoint.org backslash mailbag. That's unitypoint.org backslash mailbag. I look forward to hearing from you, our amazing listeners. Thank you for listening to COVID-19 Update. For the latest on COVID-19 vaccine information and more, visit unitypoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.